0: You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. Ready?
1: Yes. (laughs) I reckon.
0: All right. I'll follow your lead. Okay, so uh, I think this is episode 15. breaking down one of my favorite albums of all time, well, one of my favorite artists of all time, and his his debut album. This is Bill Withers' um, first album, Just As I Am. Uh, This album was released um, in 1970, uh, I believe it was May 1st, oh, I'm sorry, May 1st, 1971. Um, Its lead singles were Ain't No Sunshine and uh, Grandma's Hands, and um, yeah, that's, that's basically the basics of the of the album. Um, but before we get into the album, I kind of want to talk about uh, Bill. I Want to talk about where he comes from? Um, he was the youngest of six children. He was born in West Virginia in a small mining town. Um, he he grew up. Um, well, he grew up in the mining town. He immediately went into the Navy right when he was uh, uh, graduated and was able to leave. At the age of seventeen, um, he served in the navy for nine years, um, and, and and in in his time in the service was when he became more interested in the concept of writing um, and the in building confidence in the concept of him singing. He always appreciated um, soul soulful music and and just music. I think like anybody would, but he he had a, a, a deep appreciation and probably a lot of time, <laughs> you know, in service, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I know you can relate to that um, and uh, and also I read that he had a stutter. I didn't know this. Um, he grew up with a, a really bad stutter and um, it really affected his confidence in interacting with people and um, when he was in service it was actually his commanding officer that suggested that he take therapy for that um, while in the Navy and that was the beginning the curve away from that uh, problem of his um, and I, and it, it almost seems like um, he never really says it in interviews, but it almost seems like those coincide that he, as he gained confidence in losing his stu- by losing his stutter, that he gained confidence in making his own voice and wanting to you know be be actually heard, not just you know communicate back and forth, but have purpose. Um, when he uh, when he left the navy, um, that was that was 1965. Uh, and then he eventually moved to L.A. in 67. Um, in between those times, he was just a factory worker. He worked for um, IBM and Ford um, and a couple of aircraft um, companies. Uh, actually in 67, when he was in L.A., he, he, that's really when he made his first debut. Um, it, 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 you can't find the song anymore, but it was called uh, Three Nights in the Morning, was his, his debut little track that he had made a self-demo of. Um, all on his own money, you know. Uh, 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 I think it was just him and his guitar, mm-hmm. and then paying someone with just the money he made from his job. Um, that song, um, it it went unnoticed, um, and it, it, it didn't cause any type of buzz. Um, but he held on to it, and that song would actually eventually become Harlem. Oh. Um, the opening track of just mm-hmm, as I am mm-hmm. um, he changed it but the and the arrangement and the complexity of the song obviously came in from the, the studio and working with Booker T, Booker T. but um, but yeah that's 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 what it originally was um, he uh, um, like I said he worked at several factories and while working at those factories he was paying for his demo tapes to get them recorded um, he, he was he was busking he was going to clubs he was you know trying to get some experience in. Um and uh, he showed us, he, he, he shopped around with his tapes. I mean, he was really trying to um, uh, build a buzz and, and, and land somewhere because he, he was determined um, to do this. Uh, and, and what's really interesting is you know, like that there's that New York Times interview I was telling you about mm-hmm. where um, the, they interview him post, just as I am like in between his, t- his first two albums. And, um, and he's already had success. I mean, I think at that point, Ain't No Sunshine had already sold a million copies mm-hmm. and, um, and certified gold and all that. And he still thought the singing and the, this music thing, as he put it, was just temporary. And he never thought it was a career mm-hmm. or, or it, was, it had longevity. And in fact, he never quit his job. During oh. this entire first album, he maintained his factory position <laughs> because he didn't think it was gonna amount to much. Um, but he, uh, um, his, his, his um, first success was with 8 No Sunshine. Um, and, um, and still, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I know I just said that, but that's just so crazy in retrospect to think that you, you literally have the hottest song, you know, and, and inside of a year, less than a year, I think, yeah. it had already sold a million copies. And still, your, your post interview or post release of that in the midst of an interview with New, the New York Times and you're saying, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just kind of, it was just a thing I tried and we'll see if I, if I keep it up. You know, it's just, he had no, he, he, it's, it's like it was surreal. You know, he didn't think that this mm-hmm. was, and, and he says it, he says that, you um, let me find that quote. Um, he says, I don't take this singing thing very seriously, you know, I'm really a factory worker. That's a real job. This thing I'm doing now, hey, it's just a break. I don't expect you to be very long. And uh, turn to modern times, and now he's a, a rock and roll hall of famer, mm-hmm. and he has two uh, two songs, um, which I think is "Ain't No Sunshine" and um, "Lovely Day," I believe.
1: And i um, keep on
0: use me up. Oh, use me! Well, he has. He has. I think those two songs are in the Grammy Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I think it is use me, yeah. Use me. Um and yeah, it's just so crazy though, just to think that he he thought he it wasn't much, you know, he wasn't gonna do too much. Um so yeah, um so he 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 landed um a deal with Sussex Records, um and was signed in early nineteen seventy. Um and he was assigned uh, Booker T. Jones to produce his album. Um and then, uh, like I said before, Just As I Am, Just As I Am was released uh, May 1st, 1971. And um, the, the album, uh, it, it was released over, I think I took about, it, there was a break in the middle, but basically it was about three to four weeks of recording. Um, the session um, artists involved were Booker T on um, uh, backing acoustic, um, on the keys. Yeah, the keys, and then um, Booker T's um, drummer, i his name, but from Booker T and the MGs, he was the drummer um, for this album. And then um, of all people, Stephen Stills, Stills. is the lead guitarist. Um, and I've mentioned this, I think, on the previous episode, um, that there's a really cool background to the beginnings of Bill Withers' recording at the studio and being around people. Steven Stills just happened to be there, and then so was Graham Nash. I don't think it was the same day, but around the, the, mm-hmm. the recording period. And, and these huge players, you know, were just, I mean, they were just pumping them up. They were just in awe of his writing style and his, his soul, you know, the soulfulness that he introduced mm-hmm. into his messages and, and just how he spoke and interacted with people and appreciated um, them and their, their expertise and, and, and thinking that he was something, you know, because I mean, again, this mm-hmm. is, even post-interacting with those people and working with them and having success, he still thought, I'm just the guy in the factory. I'm mm-hmm. not, I am not Michael Jackson. I'm not, I'm not Paul McCartney, you know, and it's interesting, you know, cause he covers a Beatles song on this album. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's not like he's in a, a bubble, you know, it's not like he's in a, uh, this is random, like a Memphis Delta blues bubble where all he listens to are these blues artists. I mean, he's like, he, he listens to a lot of music. And so it's not like he doesn't get this concept of what a star is. He just knows what it is. And he does not think that that's him, mm-hmm. you know, at all. Um, but his storytelling ability and his writing and just his soul that he puts into his work it's just as palpable and strong as those other artists that he, you know, appreciated. Um, the and that was just crazy because I'm a big, you know, we're we're big Buffalo Springfield fans and, and uh, that was just nuts to find out that I, I cuz I love this album. I've, I've appreciated this album for a long time and never knew that it was Steven still Stills still on the either, on the lead guitar. Yeah um but it makes sense i mean we'll talk about it more but because there's certain little guitar riffs and certain songs that have kind of a structure that you would you you would would think stills would lean into or would probably you know really provide um now my favorite little um uh, note about this album is the uh the album cover um i don't know if you know this but you know the album cover is just him leaning up against a brick brick wall wall. and he's just wearing a t-shirt and jeans and well, that building is the um, it's the aircraft assembly building he that worked. he worked at. Yeah, I
1: read that somewhere. And yeah.
0: then and then he's even holding his lunchbox yeah. in the picture just, in the corner of the album. Like you the can title see it. Says, yeah, just as I am. Just yeah, as I am. I mean, that that was crazy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was truly, I mean, like a man of the people. He just yeah. thought, you know, he was just just doing my job. You know, I get get a shot. I get a crack at doing this. I'm not going to make it all about me. I just did. I just thought this was a good attempt at, you know, telling a story or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the album was a success. It brought him a Grammy for uh, best R&B song for uh, "Ain't No Sunshine. And by 71, like I said, that it already, it had already sold. So by September, from May to September, it already sold a million copies. So What's that? That's, that's not even in half a year, right? That's four yeah. months, five months. So that's crazy. So he, he, st- I'm sorry. He still didn't think that that was like impressive. Like, that's just so crazy. Um, but, um, and then while on tour for this album, um, he, he took a break in the middle of the tour and then wrote still bill his second album. And, and then that released, um, in May of 72, so he released an album in May 71, started touring, took a break, wrote the next one, released it in May of the next year, just like clockwork. Um, which is, I find that impressive just because, like we've talked about before, the timetables for music releases nowadays are a little more, you know, willy nilly. They're unexpected. It's just kind of, It's either you produce something and give it to your label and they didn't like it, so they said do it again, or you're self-produced and you're just, you don't think you've hit it yet, you don't think you've done it yet. Um, Or who knows, maybe you're over your bandmates and (laughs) needed a break (laughs) But um, it's just, I'm always in awe of that old school, I guess some of it was contractual, but um, that old school timeline of, you know, every six months, six to 12 months, you pump out an album, you know. Um, while still touring, you know, and not talking about, you know, bands like the Beatles or Steely Dan that were studio bands and they would, they would work on it. They would work, well, you know, Beatles second half where they would put a lot of thought and work into the product and then hope that was a success in and of itself. They didn't need to tour. They weren't trying to tour. That's not what they wanted to do. But anyways, um, it's always impressive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's all I've got on the background. Um, but just the fact that he just thought, hey man, the singing things just i don't take it seriously you know <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean he he showed it but you wouldn't guess it you know if you didn't know anything about him you never saw the album cover and you listen to the album you you would expect a lot of experience i mean this man has a lot of life experience um mm-hmm. to be in his early 30s and to vocalize feelings and and um um scenarios in the way he does but it's a yeah it's a powerful album
1: i think that's one thing that comes across to me when i because i've never had listened to the whole album you know i knew you that you really liked him a lot and i was familiar with his big songs but i had never really listened to the whole album so listening to it giving it repeated uh, you know listens and that's what came across to me was is he's authentic he's very laid back he's very real just like any really good singer songwriter he his voice captures that feeling of of you know, I'm singing about what I know, and 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 I put a lot of feeling and emotion into it, um, and that really, uh, you know, when you listen to them, like, wow, well, this is just as good as any other great, uh, uh, singer-songwriter type classic album of, of its time, um, and I would imagine that's what what captured uh, Stills and Nash's attention was, you know, uh, they had been around a lot of people just like him who. Who just started playing and singing and and you know uh, recording and but they some of them were very passionate about what they did and and they just did it and he he was the same he was he wasn't trying to be somebody he just he just wanted to play and and sing and that really comes across I mean that to me is one of the things I think that's I like about his voice is that he um is so genuine and so so pure mm-hmm. um, well like someone just sitting on a porch you know sitting hanging out with people just playing the guitar and singing um so yeah i can see what you like how you described him that he was not he was not overly aware of himself you know he he just he's humble he was humble he he just wanted to enjoy the music and and if it worked great if not i'm gonna go back to work i mean you know i mean even down to like you said the album cover it's almost like saying if you want to know who i am i'm going to work i mean it's like there's really not a whole lot to know about me you know but you hear it in his voice the uh, the well, what like we've talked about music. I mean, you feel the memory in his music mm-hmm. of his remembrance of, of what it was like to grow up, of his grandmother, of of the hardness of life, of experiences, and his uniqueness in approaching songs, as we'll talk about very uh interesting how he was willing to take on some of those songs that i'm like well, not everybody would be doing that at that particular, right, particular topics, time yeah it was not quite the thing to do to interpret a song relatively close to its popularity or being who did it you know I'm was like well that's pretty impressive that you were willing to do that but he did it his own way you know mm-hmm. i mean which is typical of you know like a family gathering where someone's like i i, just, I like that song so i'm just going to sing it And they just kind of make it their own you know but Mm. but they want to interpret it by just the way they do it and that really i think what comes across the album is i want to i'm doing this the way i want to do it this is me you know i'm not trying to sound like somebody i'm not trying to create some kind of a new song or a new feel or i'm just i'm just playing and singing and so that i think that's what really makes the album very powerful very good, and it holds its own. I mean, I think about how old it is; it still sounds great. Yeah. I mean, listening to it, and as I listen to it multiple times, i was like, man, some of the songs, the songs and the music are really good. Yeah. Um, and to me, stand up to any of what would be considered the great albums of that time period, especially mm. of that particular genre, the the singer songwriter kind of yeah. folksy, soulful, soulful, folk, yeah. almost like you said, kind of Buffalo Springfieldish, kind of Crosby, Stills and Nashish, kind of uh, James Taylorish, but but him what comes across is that's him yeah he's very very sincere yeah it's very sincere and very genuine and 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 you can tell he's not reaching or straining to try to be like somebody he just he that's just the way he did it that's how he liked to sing and um so i think that's really neat that's really you know that's really what comes across is this that sense of i'm not trying to make a big album here i'm just here give me a shot so i'm taking it you know yeah
0: yeah well, that's it. that's what's so cool about those recounts of from from Booker or from Steven Stills or Graham Nash where they're they're conversing with him like they're confused. like you're you're at another level. Like you don't I don't know you know if you realize how good you are, mm-hmm. but he's just been such a a worker, such a person who who puts in discipline, puts in effort um, for sincere results that i think he was just self satisfied with being able to you know play for his family play for small clubs or just in his own right be satisfied that he made a piece of poetry that mm-hmm. he appreciates just in the same light as you know other music he listened to but that's why you know like I mean he says it in the song in that do it good song but yeah. it's like where he where he's just speaking and he says you know Booker just tells him just do what you do and you just do it good but and, and to me that just that, that doesn't, that's not just a simple blunt statement of a lazy producer saying just do what you're doing and just make sure it's done well I think it's it was a confident statement because they were like enthralled they were taken back by this man who had uh such ability but was so humble in his approach and would just oh if you want me to do it i'll do it but it's just a little song i wrote like it's a great song you wrote what do you do it again let's do it. you know (laughs) and 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 that that and that's this is when you when you see how he how he's interviewed and how people speak about working with him. Mm-hmm. It's just he's a humble person.
1: He, his voice, so too his lingo, his his demeanor, I guess, and how he, mm. he it's very um, hippie ish hip talk. Yeah. In other words, for, that's the way you would talk in that period of yeah, time. The, hey, you know, man, I yeah, did this. Yeah, um, this groovy, do yeah. it good. That was like like Nike, just do it, what we would say. Well, that's what Booker was saying, do it good. Like, okay, you know what that means. You I know, mean, just you give it all you got. You know, it's not, yeah. it wasn't just some cliche he was saying. It was actual, you know what that means. You know, you know, you know, know. just do what, you give everything you got. So, I mean, he, and he does. I mean, you can tell that in, in, wow. in, 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 in how he approaches it.
0: And I almost feel like it's, it's even a little more basic than that, that Booker almost saw an artist that he didn't have to hover over and helicopter and guide to every little avenue, you know, like a Janis one, someone that's like a little no, wild, he, no, but creative, he, he you know, he didn't have to be. Yeah. And so I think, and, and yeah, and the fact that he was off the cuff, just being in the same studio impressed people like Stills and Nash that, that meant that he like radiated talent, yeah. and so to Booker it was almost like just do what you do because you're already ninety yeah. percent of the way there. I'm just here to remind you to just do a good job at it. And I think you <laughs> see that in him in
1: Booker T's production and the feel of the album is that he, it's almost like I'm not gonna do a whole lot to what you're doing because yeah. you're already doing it. You know, yeah. I'm just touching it up, uh, little arrangements here, strings there. Yeah. But I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you come across, and I think that's really what does come across is his is him his like you said his style his his laid back humble approach his um his singing that is very to me very you know folksy and very connected to what he's been what he's experienced yeah um and i think that's why it 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 still you know resonates it still is a good album yeah um because it it captures that period and it captures him you know and 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 him just being just singing like you're saying um, so yeah that's, that's one thing I really was surprised at listening to the whole album
0: yeah well and it's interesting um, that you you know you kind of bring up Booker T's um, approach to producing him and handling him because you know I, I agree that there I mean there is one song where it's just him and a guitar and you now maybe to to Bill he wanted more like that because maybe that's how he was used to playing them and showing them off but I mean to me it's like if it was a controlling producer you know like Bill we were like, I want a full sound. I want, you need a bassist. You need this, you know, my, like, yeah, cause I think it's in my heart. That's just him and a guitar. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's like, they might not have put that on because I think it's 11 tracks. I could have easily just made it 10 tracks, left that off and be okay. Um, but you know, I, I, I think there was some, some freedom there, but even Bill, um, in an interview post, um, this album release when he's working on still Bill, he has more Liberty and I don't think Booker's involved in that. I think he, he he has a producer, but it's more him. Yeah, it's kind of going back to say and forth. So. Yeah, and he has more control because he has more clout.
1: Yeah, and, and he understands better what yeah. goes on in the studio.
0: And so, to him, when he's interviewed, he says that you know this is a great piece and I'm part of him, but still, Bill is kind of like the next level it's more, where he. This was really me. Yeah, yeah, this is where I have more liberty and freedom to express myself and not be controlled by a producer. A lot of this is just me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where the background of that song, Use Me, comes from, is the, you know, it's like, use me up. And he's like, I like to be used as talent, but, you know, it's like, he, he's aware of it. He's aware of that dynamic. and Yeah, important. and that's something
1: it seems, that what I've read about he didn't like in the music industry. Yeah. He didn't like
0: that. Oh, he hates the music industry. He, makes it, he hates
1: it, and it was, it was really uh, contradictory to him. You know, he, he wanted to just be able to make music and and well it's a machine right they want to make money yeah and uh, so it's all about sound usually that's why you get a producer to a certain extent yeah um, not just technically but to make sure that it you know it pops and it has yeah. a certain something to it and you can see that with booker i mean you know because i read about him he's pretty interesting in himself mm. and uh, so i mean he's got all this experience in the studio and he knows what to add on and you can tell in some of the songs like, okay that's got to be booker you know the arrangements yeah. the strings yeah. But then you can tell he still reflects the his uh, I guess respect or his awareness of hey this guy needs to just be left alone I mean let him just mm-hmm. play let him let him make the song the way he wants to and so that really comes across and I think that it, it works in many times in the album where it's just very very you know to the point
0: yeah well you want to get started yeah, on it absolutely. so uh, the first track is Harlem it's kind of this groovy string driven soulful. Song, um, yeah, about the hard life in the city. It's yeah. about a lot of different things, yeah. um, but it's about enduring all the things that uh, that you I don't know experience down there. Um, but it's a uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. It's about enduring. I just, I'm trying to read my notes here, and I'm a terrible writer. Um, <laughs> and I put it, it's really about enduring all these things that you can't control. Yeah, you know, like living in the city. There's a lot of chaotic things, and just living anywhere, but that's what a lot of the topics handle and, and, uh, but musically, I love the buildup. You know, I love how it, it, um, it has this musical momentum to it that every time a measure finishes, he adds on another instrument, um, where, where it's, you know, it's just him and, and, and the, and percussionist and the strings. And you hear the, uh, a tambourine join in and, 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 and more strings. It's like every measure, one more layer and one more dynamic gets added to it. And, uh, and I think like halfway through, like the drums start to pick up a little bit mm-hmm. and it gets a little more, you know, energized. It
1: intensifies.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a good opener. Yeah,
1: it uh, as I've listened to it multiple times, uh, it, it, it actually reminds me in a sense of the, the musical buildup of like a West Side Story, um, because it's got that city vibe, yeah. uh, almost like a Stevie Wonder living in the city. Where he's talking, he's giving you his little snippets of things that he's seen in the city and what yeah. it's like to live in Harlem, how it's good and it's bad, and and how you got to you know be careful about stuff. And but in the in all that is that mix, like you said, that arrangement, that build up, and the song intensifies and the strings intensify, but it has that almost like a musical feeling, like you know, where it builds up. It's theatrical, you know. It's, yeah. it's very dramatic. And so I don't know if that was the point was to make the opening song kind of a hey here it is boom boom and um, so yeah it's very it's a very interesting song and I think very much is very defined too by the by the that that year that period of time because yes. it's it's yeah. kind of got that urban thing but but at the same time it's kind it's musical it's it's I think it shows both of their uh, you know. Input, you know, it shows mm. Booker's input with all the strings and the,
0: the musical, and the re, re,
1: musical um, composi- composition, but but where there's, uh, you know, words and his concepts and how he wants to build up on it. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting song and, and very unique, I think, to me.
0: Yeah, my, my favorite line from it is uh, all the hip folks getting home from the party yeah. while the good folks, folks are, are just, just getting, getting up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line yeah it is do you have anything else for that one i mean no it's a good it's a good song it is um and then the next track is the probably his biggest song um uh, ain't no sunshine um it's very in line with the rest of the album with the you know it's beautiful but it it comes it covers a harsh reality Mm -hmm. you know and and um i mean it talks about the loss of a uh, of love uh, really the loss of love in a relationship um, and how raw um, that change um, can be and and um, and in in the way he writes it it's very purposeful in the tense and the um, the the wording that he uses like when you know he says uh, uh, I wonder this time where she's gone and, you know it's like it's not the first time you know he he alludes without having to tell this grand story he alludes mm-hmm. to all this history and that's what you know that's really what makes him a really good writer and lyricist is he he can he he he's he's really good at making you Think, see it yeah. and and really really and she's understand it. too long yeah yeah and and or just like harlem we were just saying all the the the, the, the descriptors the, the he's images. using and the, yeah the imagery that he's using i mean you, you can kind of you get a sense of it um and uh and yeah, but but with this song being basically about losing love in a relationship, but losing their life together, and you can't um, imagine um, life without her. Um, I mean, it's it's a great it's a great heavy track because it's it it's it's so beautiful in the arrangement with the strings um, and just his voice and the, the the soulful energy that he carries. But it's heavy, you know. It's it's a heavy song, but it's just like. I know everyone's drawn to that song <laughs> yeah you know you can't not like that song. Um, and I think that's that's the, that's the offset that beautiful music I mean any music that that, that um, or any song that has beautiful music but a serious heavy you know message that's done well and, and written well,' it's, it's gonna be impactful. it's gonna it's gonna really hit you. And this song it's a short song. the, the lyrics aren't even you know crazy long. And it and it hits everybody. There's not anybody that can't listen to this song and be like, "Wow, that that was weak." You know, no, no one can say that no, about this no. song. Um, and yeah, and again, like the the his writing, the the comparison of the, the, the changing of um, of a house to a home, you know, and 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 using that uh, as a sign of the warmth that you know that they share together in their love, but then it's just a house. It's just a standard place to be in when she's not there, when the relationship isn't together, when it's not working. Because a home is somewhere that's safe, it's secure, it's a sanctuary. Um, and um, yeah, it just drives that home. It really, it really makes you feel that lonesome, pondering feeling. You know, almost that pensive state of just, I don't know what's gonna happen next. And uh, it's just, it's lonesome um but it's yeah I, I don't know i've always loved it there's um is a very random tangent but my I, you know i'm a bit really big into video games i Play, been playing video games all my life um and there's a video game for um dante's inferno you know the book um and um again this is very random but uh <laughs> Me and my buddy, we used to, uh, Shane, we used to talk video games all the time and we would watch the trailers, you know, the teaser trailers and the trailers and the release trailer and all these things. I mean, we were all into that kind of, again, I'm a media junkie. If I like it, I, would, I like to get really into it. And uh, when they released the trailer for Dante's Inferno, like the teaser trailer, because you know the story is he loses his loved one and he has to go through hell to, to get her back, literally all nine rings of hell. And um, so the teaser trailer is just Dante like going down like down into the ground through every level of hell, blah, 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 And it's a quick trailer. I think it's only like ninety seconds long, a minute long. And uh and they use ain't no sunshine for the for the song. That's interesting. And it's just uh um I've always loved a song growing up. Um but to me that's one of my favorite game teaser trailers or announcement trailers just because it's such an odd use of the song. Yeah. But but it's um I don't know. It just fits with the beautiful string arrangements. It to me, like, because that's what I used to tell my buddy. Is to me, it shows the the strength and the power of that song because it doesn't really relate to what this visual is mm-hmm. showing me. But the 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 heaviness and the intensity, it's still driven home. Even though it's just it, it's a guy, you know, uh, talking about these things over strings you know, a string arrangement in his guitar, it's still hitting you. It's still hitting you like a you know like mm-hmm. a reality freight train (laughs) and it's it's i don't know um i have one more thing to add but um what what do you guys say well
1: i was gonna say that um it i think this is one of the times where booker t's uh production and where there's music and the way he plays and sings uh match completely well and that's why it's such a still a very popular song and I mean, obviously, when they made that song, they had no idea that, you know, you roll out to the 20, 2020 or the 20, uh, where we are at. And th- this is a song that's played all the time over and over yeah. on, on on radio. And, and like you said, and used it with uh, a background to movies or trailers or. But I mean, this is a song that you probably could play and everybody would know that song oh, it's a it's, cultural piece. it's a cultural song and and so in, in line with that I, I and i will mention this a couple times for sure is that he he's to me is very reminiscent of james taylor it has that james taylor song feel that in other words this is a song that when you make it that it's going to stick with you forever everybody's mm. going to know that song mm. they may not know you but they'll know that song and then they'll say oh that's the guy that made that song you know and so i mean it's a it's one of those kind of songs and i know it ranks high in the, uh, Rolling Stone all time oh, songs all-time. and yeah, um, but it's just a beautifully well crafted song. Yeah. I mean, it is like you just said. That's why it's haunting. That's why you you still listen to it. That's why it's still enjoyable even now. And and uh, so it's a great piece. I mean it's just perfect. I mean the arrangement when you listen to the strings, they're just right. Yeah. It's not overdone. It's it It's not it, too long. It, it just acts accentuates it and helps it to to build it to make it feel even richer and fuller. But his voice and the way he plays, um it like you said, I mean, he to make that and not realize what you did. <laughs> I'm sure there was producers and, and people who were like, "Oh man, we're gonna
0: we're gonna make a lot of money yeah, out of that song." Finally. Man, this guy's awesome. Well, He's who like, knows. Yeah, Maybe yeah. that's what made him even super more annoyed of the industry. Oh yeah, because they wanted they wanted more. They wanted and more, more of that. And more. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, his... your music's great, but
1: we really need another one of those songs. Yeah, you know I mean, so I could see him saying, "I really don't." no fight i I mean that's just a song i did yeah he's like i'm not
0: gonna do it for you yeah
1: i mean (laughs) yeah i
0: mean so i just did it because that was in my you know my heart and my head and well and 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 past this album a little bit in the future when he's being interviewed you know he says that uh i haven't changed anything about my lifestyle i still drive the same car i drove to the factory i still wear the same type of clothing he's like i haven't changed much so it's like it's not even a big wig coming to him saying, we're going to make you rich was a worthwhile venture to him. No, it him. Matter, anyway, no, it, it, doesn't, just, it doesn't matter. To him, you know. it was just them. It's exactly. like, no, you're just trying to
1: persuade me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, it, I think that gives even more power to the song itself and, yeah. and, um, and is a great testament to him as a, an artist where he was at and what was happening in the times. You know what I mean? That, that, that songs like that were just... Yeah, you know, I'm sure even in that day people were like that's a really nice song. I mean, yeah. But not again, not realizing people from 20, 30 years, 40 years later are going to be listening to that song saying that's a great song, you yeah. know, I and mean? um and no one's going to say don't play that song, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's a song that you're going to your your children's children's children are going to hear that yeah. song, you know I mean? Yeah. And that's an amazing thing to and it's not because it's uh how would we call that? It's not just the regurgitation of pop culture yeah it's not
0: because it's catchy
1: yes or just because they're going to just show it anyway whether it's good or bad or indifferent it's because it's very good i mean
0: it's a very good song yeah and it it plays it plays a certain heart yeah i mean that's why
1: that's why i i see him a lot like james taylor he he has the ability to sing a song it's like man i love that song yeah i mean I mean that song means something to me you know yeah. I mean I want to I want to play that at a wedding I want to play that at a funeral that's why you play songs like mm. that right
0: impactful. because
1: it's it's impactful yeah. it means something to you yeah. and it and it kind of becomes a part of you you know that's what's beautiful about music I mean it, it whether it's a family get together or listening to someone like a Bill Withers or whoever it becomes a part of you I mean it's mm. like I I really like that song because it means something to yeah. me um, yeah so
0: and and I mean I know we've said this a few times now, but I mean, he, he was just such a talent. And even if you take away his guitar ability, his lyricism, and he was just a vocalist, he's yeah, still he a sing. fantastic vocalist. Yeah. You know? Um, so the, the one other thing I had to add um, that I didn't know this is that the, um, the 26 I knows in the, in the track, mm-hmm. that was a placeholder um, of his. He wanted to write a third verse for the song. Um he he, he thought the song was gonna be longer. Um and that's the kinda thing I was gonna say before is um I like your comment, how you said that this is a this is a beautiful balance between him and Booker because you have him conquering the lyricism and the delivery and you have this beautiful string arrangement just, you know, adding nothing but vibrance and, and another level to mm-hmm. the whole composition. But um it's short, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it doesn't need to be super long. No. He doesn't need to talk because no. there are song, other songs on here where he has multiple, multiple verses where he talks about multiple things. Um, but this one it's just, he drives it home, keeps it short and sweet, but he originally was going to have a placeholder, but it wasn't until he first performed it and did that placeholder in front of those pros and of all the session musicians and the, and the producer that they said, no, leave, leave it in. He's mm-hmm. like, that, that actually fits it. It's like, it gives a, a, a different, um, uh, uh expectation of where you thought the yeah, song would different. go it adds you know? a
1: difference to the song
0: yeah and i love those little uh quirky or i don't know what you would call it those little niche ways he would have of writing or singing or pronunciating in a certain uh, line that would give it a little extra umph when it wasn't just i see that and i'm sure we'll touch on that as we go with but with i see that as his
1: upbringing from being around uh, gospel and being around folks yeah. singing uh, soulish singing that was very, you, you you almost like jazz. You come up with a sound, you know what I mean. You mm. you come up with a mm, or something, uh, or a, you the, how you 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 use your voice yeah. a different way. It's it's uh, he picked up on that from you know, that's how people do it when they sing gospel or they yeah. st- or they're just singing they just do to something different because they, that's how they do it in other words he's like this is how I do it yeah it's like you an know? accent yeah so and it's, just... it's it's very unique to him which is again what comes across in his in the music is yeah. it's it's so unique the way he well it's just him like you said just as I am I mean it's that's how I do it that's how I sing yeah I mean and what's cool is like we talked about booker or no no one involved made him change it they just Mm -hmm. said just do then just just do it good in other words just do what you do you know i'm not going to try to change you and i think that's what he meant too i'm not going to try to change you and and make you do this don't do that change your voice change your tone you know cut this you know extend that he's like "Mm, just you got it i mean that's good
0: yeah so um and then the next track, um, so both of these, Ain't No Sunshine and this next track, Grandma's Hands, those are the singles, which are, I think those are the strongest songs on the album. Um, but uh, Grandma's Hands, I think that's my favorite mm-hmm. one from the album. Um, it's got the smooth bluesy feel to it. Um, but I mean, he, he, he pinpoints that, the attributes of his, his loved one, you know, the, the, the things that he cherished about his grandmother. And he, um, I know, he proves his love by admitting all these small actions that he that still stuck with him, you know. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, anybody who who's experienced in life and has lived life long enough to you know lose someone dear to them, uh, they realize in those hard times, in the times that kind of weigh on you the most, it's those little things that you that you didn't think would hit you like that. You know, you don't always think of your wedding day when you think of your grandmother that was there. So you might think of like these little things when she would pick you up, when she would give you candy, when she would, you know, play music at church. It's like, you know, these little bitty things are the things that remind you of who they were. Um, And that's what's so beautiful about this song is, is it it just captures that appreciation and, and uh, um, purposeful Um, action of cherishing this person and appreciating them post-mortem post them uh, affecting them anymore post them being around to hear that but you you just it it is a legacy and it is his way of honoring that person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and it's 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 beautiful and like you said before this is one of those songs where it's not a a pop song and it's not a gushy formula song that's not what he's going for this is this is like a real kind of like an admittance like this is What I'm going through, this is what is weighing on my soul, and if I'm going to explain it to you, I'm going to do it good, and I'm going to tell you exactly who this woman was in every little way that I still think of her. Um,
1: Well, and a couple things. It ties back into what you said about, you know, sunshine. Um, It... I find that on the album, some of the songs that are the best songs are shorted to the point. Hmm. And and when you think about great songs, whether it's the Beatles or James Taylor or whoever, many of their songs that are really, really good are very short. They're two, three-minute songs. Hmm. And he does some great things with these short two, three-minute songs. And this one especially, he... Like you said, it 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 you can tell it was very important to him that he wanted to capture his his recollections of his grandmother. But even the style of the song is very uh, almost uh, like like as if they were having church in the in the back in the back of the house or and, and you know I mean it was spiritual. it was very it's a very spirit it has a, the sound or the feel of a spiritual of yeah. a song a, a, a you know a hymn it, right. it's it's like a hymn and that's exactly what it is yeah it's a hymn to her you know what i mean it, it's his ode to her it's her it's his way of saying right. how much you meant to me but i'm going to even make the style kind of like you would have would have wanted that song to yeah. be you know that kind of uh hand clapping toe tapping almost like i could go into a, a fevered moaning and groaning but i'm i, I don't this is not what that's about mm. you know i want to capture what what you how you made me feel right. you know and that's kind of what you do when you do try to do something to uh Pay homage to someone you love. You want to capture how they made you feel, and he does that with that song, Yeah. Uh, because it's very sweet and there's and very much you can see him being a little boy, you know, playing around her and listening to her, or even like her hands would hurt and swell, yeah. you know, um, and um, and that's uh, that's the kind of things you remember about somebody, you know, and so it's a it's a really sweet song and you can tell it really meant a lot to him to to do that song. He wasn't, he wasn't doing it for anybody but her. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so don't, I'm, I'm sure Joe Booker don't, I don't know, I'm saying that. He like, don't tell me how to do this song. Yeah,
0: or like, you can add a couple of things, don't, but yeah, don't. Yeah,
1: this is really how I want it to don't be. Don't jazz this it This is too me much. to her, yeah. so don't. It's almost like him standing at her graveside saying, this is a song I did for you. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how you feel. It's very intimate. And, yeah. And, uh, but very sweet and to the point. In other words, you know, he doesn't, you know, get too long drawn about it. He's like, I just want to hit it and do it like and do it good. And so he does follow, as he said, he does follow Booker's uh, advice. But that's really one of the songs that does stand out.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Um, I, and I love the outro where he he has a closing statement. If if I get to heaven, I'll I'll look for grandma's hands. And then you have that. You have that groovy guitar mm-hmm. outro in the background. It had to be Stills, because I think Stills was the only electric guitar. on. The, he, he's the electric guitar on the album. And so you just have that. that... And, you know,
1: that just that was popping my head when we were talking about it earlier, just and you saying it just then is that's another aspect of it. This is Steven Stills, who knows how to play. And he's a he's already a known musician and, and a celebrity. He doesn't even uh, show out you know he just he just plays he just plays the guitar for for background but it's very subtle and it's very you know in the background he's not trying to to say well they need to know steven stills is on this album yeah there's no sticker on the lp that's featuring steven stills you don't sense his intrusion in terms about his music how he plays the guitar yeah he just plays it and he doesn't you know it's almost like i just want to help you you know i don't want to overrided and I don't want to be known you know which is amazing because again like you said I mean I never knew Stephen Stills played on that album Like that's amazing that he just did that and and didn't want the attention didn't want you know to take away from
0: Bill Withers and his first album which says a lot really yeah it's interesting but yeah that's a great it's my favorite one off that album for sure and then following that one is uh, Sweet Winomi yeah, sweet. it's a that. smooth, sweet, smooth, soulful, folky mm-hmm. kind of song. Um, it's another song that kind of um, it's visual. You know mm-hmm. the way he describes the room and and her and the warmth and being. Now do you near know who other? is she? Who is he singing about? Uh, I don't know. It's, it could be just it's just a song. Yeah, I didn't know um, if he was singing about a specific person or. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't see anything on the places yeah. where I, where I look. Um, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just a great song, uh, where you're, again he he makes note of his surroundings, the feelings uh, that he uh, the things that he he feels and he appreciates when he's with his sweet Winomi. You know, it's like he he's just good. This is another good example of why he was just a great writer. Yeah. you know, it's like the, the, if anything, this is his kind of structure, his no, formula. You know, you, you
1: feel his soulful, uh, uh, funky. Uh, you know approach that is that adds to something a little different to the way he does the song
0: yeah cuz like if anything this song it fa- falls in line to what you would say is the Bill Withers formula yeah. you know you got that soulful folk feel to it but then it's got lyricism that it's pic- picturesque it it puts you in a scene you know um but this is a sweet song about a gentle romance and appreciation and and when i say gentle because you know he his descriptors you know sweet Softly, sleepy, pretty little, mm-hmm. like you know. Um, but it's just again, he he's just a master at at composing that type of um, mindscape, you know, for songs, for being able to visualize it and feel it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's and yeah, and 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 I get it. I get why you compare him to someone like James Taylor or um, yeah, or Stevie Wonder, someone that's you know super soulful, super expressive and not just expressive they're composing it they're writing it to accompany their song right. and their message and it drives it home you know and that's it i mean to me if you were to
1: describe James Taylor it would be kind of pop folkish, with maybe in a little more and a little rock but with Bill Withers it's folky funky soul with a touch of jazz mm. and and he he incorporates that soulish funk very well because he doesn't let it take over the song, but he but he expresses it, which is I'm sure he grew up listening to that music and 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 it's a part of him, and so it really comes out in his work in his work but um, but at the same time he knows how to make it delicate, you know what I mean yeah. He doesn't have to push it, but it's just it just adds to the song and and makes him really kind of unique, like you said, in his way of approaching the music,
0: yeah. Do you have anything else on that mm-hmm. one? So then the, the next one is uh, Everybody's Talkin', uh, which is one of, the, one of the two tracks that weren't written by him. Mm-hmm. So this was written by Fred Neal, another songwriter. Um, so this is the track that I was gonna say, if any th- of all of them give me the Springfield, the Buffalo Springfield vibe. Um, because it, it, it has that, the first half of it sounds like Buffalo Springfield mm-hmm. to me. Um, and then um, just kind of folky rock kind of sound. It, it fits that groove. And then the second half or the ending is like all Bill. Or like um, the, the, the why, why, why part. The why, why, why. Like that's it. Sorry, that was terrible. Um, uh, and because uh, that's where his his, uh, his style comes out. You know, yeah. his lyricism. How he projects his lyrics out. Yeah, and how he does the skipping. That, that oh, yeah, that's skipping. what I was going to say. That's my favorite part. Yeah. The... the um, Oh, here. Um, sorry, if you want to say something, because uh, I need to pull this up really quick. Well,
1: one thing I realized, I thought, well, you know, that had to have been relatively close to when the movie came out, which was uh, Midnight Cowboy um, and the original Everybody's Talking uh, version, which is by Nielsen. And so that was a huge song because of that movie. And that movie was a real kind of a breakout movie at the time, in 69. So when he does the album in 71... This is a pretty big song for him to take mm. and and take and take on. And and he does take it on, but in his own style. He yes. changes the song. Yeah. And he does it almost again, like somebody sitting there go, you know, I've heard this song and I like it. So this is I've been thinking about playing it like this. It's like doing a soul mix. Very, on. Yeah, very yeah. soul mixing, very almost jazzy scat singing kind yeah. of. And but I mean the first time I heard it, like, oh, that's not the song. Well, of course not. It's not Nielsen, it's not the style at yeah. all. But he's like, uh, it's like me just t- playing the guitar and, and like you said, kind of having that kind of folksy, um, rockish, like you said, Springfield Poco kind of feel, kind of. Mm. And, 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 um, uh, but it's just an interesting, I don't know, it's almost to me his way of saying, this is what I feel like when people are saying stuff about me. And I don't, mm. I don't like it. You know, what I mean, I don't want, I don't want to hear it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I just want to do what I'm doing, you know? And, yeah. and, but it's a very interesting, and to me it's like, wow, that's kind of brave too, especially at that period of time to take on a song that everybody knows this song. Well, I mean, you know? he also
0: does Let It Be. Yeah, that's now, what I'm saying. Is, We're going to hit Let It Be too. Yeah. And,
1: and But I mean, that's pretty impressive to be a yeah. pretty much a nobody artist and say, I'm going to tackle this song. And redo it. And redo
0: it. Yeah. You know? And do it in a style that he knows some people are not going to like that style. Yeah, especially if they... No, like those purists. I was like, I want it how yeah, know, like Nielsen or did. Yeah, I, I can understand
1: not. if you wanted to do a rock version, but you did kind of funky,
0: just... Folky thing, yeah. Folky, yeah. you know, yeah. like, what's that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And Well, and like, you know... And, and again some you know some of those parts you know i could get that those traditional rock people wouldn't like his accentuation when he's like saying why multiple times like just the way he changes his tone when he's saying but like i love that crap. That's, yeah i like that's his style that's his niche yeah. and that's why i love the the closing part of the song where he's like skip skip in skip mm-hmm. skip over the ocean and then you have the the guitar going Womp, and then the Womp. the strings coming in at the same oh, yeah. time and it's just a one that is just perfect it's like yeah it's because very interesting song because i i love that closing part though where he's saying the skip skip part because i mean this is the production of it how it's just him everything Mm -hmm. else cuts off and it's just him speaking and then right when he when he says over the ocean like a stone and all the stuff comes back in and you're back in the groove and yeah it's just a that's a great song i love that one um Anything else on that one? No. no, Cool. Uh, And then the next one is the one that we've referenced many times um, (laughs) is uh, Do It Good. Do It Good. Um, So this one, this one I feel like is the most like kind of like Booker T, kind of like that jazz Mm -hmm. feel, you know. Um, And also kind of like, I I know this would have been like. A few couple of years after this album was made, so who knows? Maybe it inspired them, but I know they're all kind of jazz related, anyways. Like, it kind of has that Steely Dan feel that where they're yeah. saying that do it good like yeah. over and over. that That's like that's that, like, this album. If you swapped out the singer, um, uh, for Fagin oh, Fagan and then yeah. threw it through it on Can't Buy a Thrill, yeah, it would fit it, you know what I mean? It's been, it's it's pretty it's pretty close, but it's um, it's uh. It's a it's it's a good song. Um, if <laughs> it's just got a, a odd opening line yeah. to me, the opening line is the weakest line in the entire album, where he says, uh, uh, "If you want to kiss a funky beagle, uh, hitch a ride upon an eagle, read a catalog from Spiegel, we'll go on and do it, do it, do it." <laughs> it's just random. It's so random. Um, but um, but I love the bridge where he where he breaks mm-hmm. and he and he just speaks directly Starts to the listener. And um, yeah, and just talking about who he is, I love how he never says his name too. Yeah. I feel like that's another uh, humble, um, um, you know, uh, 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 note about yeah, himself. He's, not pushing he's himself. like, if you read the album, you know, my name he's, is what my name he is. is. He doesn't even <laughs> he doesn't even say it. Um, but yeah, it's just great. Um, and yeah, and just the fact that he's like Booker just said, don't don't worry, just do it, just do you but do it good you know it's like that again i know we've already touched on that but i, I just feel like that's a, a big cornerstone of this album Is it's like it, he is the foundation it's not this team of people coming yeah. up with this concept and these lyrics it's like a majority of it is him and they've stylized it on the peripheral you know for the music sake of you know of keeping it interesting with strings and different musicians because i mean i i he would probably still be successful maybe not in the same light but he would probably still be successful if it was just him and a guitar doing the same stuff Mm -hmm. you know i mean ain't no sunshine grandma's hand would still probably explode you know maybe a little bit different but i just feel like it would still be a a, a impactful thing um but yeah um it's kind of the last groovy kind of feel good song yeah you know before the second half of the album gets a little more more serious. serious yeah which is pretty normal uh, music cur- curation for an album, especially during that time, because you want the first half to hit, you want the first half to get mm-hmm. everybody into it. And then the second half will be the, the more experimental or, or the heavier songs for, you know, the, so people could avoid them if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on Well, this again, one? this
1: is another song that's very short and sweet and to the point, mm. but it's interesting. And, and, um, and it, to me, it comes across almost like something he would have, Maybe came up with when he had his little, you know, like his he would be working nightclubs or, you know, it kind of sounds like that sort of like a little jazz band or a little they're just kind of starting an intro and and they walk in or sit there and start talking and then he just kind of introduces himself, you know, but the music's kind of playing behind him and you're getting a beat and uh, yeah, it almost feels like being at a show. Yeah, being a show like like what I'm saying, it has that feel like a, like you know you can just repeat that sound and. And you can just kind of move with it and do what you want to. But like you said, I mean, he's introducing himself. He's he's almost uh, sh- showing you. I mean, you know, well, here I am. You know, like you said, you know, I am who I am. I mean, I, you know me. You know, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, you know. In other words, it's not. It really doesn't matter how much you know about me. I'm just gonna do it good. I'm gonna just play the music. And uh, so yeah, I think it's kind of a cool. Uh, um, sort of like showing their the interaction he had with Booker T that they kind of mesh there you know and that sort of sense of you know that that playing just loose and just well just play it let's just go with it and you know and you just talk if you want to talk I mean you know so it is a it's a it's an interesting little uh, point to him and kind of I think highlights again like we talked about that that whole feel of the album and and the feel you get of him as a as a person and as an artist but. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Get stuck in
0: your head. It'll mm-hmm. do a good part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now it takes a serious turn, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> the The next track is uh, "Hope She'll Be Happier." <clears throat> it's pretty, pretty yeah, up front. it's pretty deep. Um, to me, it kind of has it's kind of has that um, "Isn't It a Pity" by Harrison mm-hmm. feel to it because of the. Um, the guitar and the organ, the way um, the way the music um, rolls out, it's just that slow kind of crawling pace that just tells you, like it gives you the the, the signal that we're going to be talking about something serious. You know, this isn't lighthearted. This isn't just something to just throw around and just goof about. Like it's more of a serious tone. Um, and, I mean, the song is about coming to terms with losing losing his love, um, and. Um, Goodness, I can't read my notes. Um, here, you go ahead. I need to figure out what this says. <laughs> um,
1: well, it might be kind of be jumping ahead, but I know uh, uh, to me this song kind of seems to be like a part one to Better Off Dead. I don't. I think that the two kind of seem to almost be like bookends of, of whatever it was he's experiencing or he's describing um you know it's like it's a sad song like a ballad song and and his almost like a lament to like you know well sorry it didn't work out but I hope I hope you're happier with him um, yeah it's kind of like an ode to a past love yeah and he obviously in the album as a whole he seems to reference uh, romance and relationships and he's had some fair share of bad bad ones sir that didn't work out for whatever reason um, but or he, or he was just trying to capture that feel, kind mm. of a blues, kind of a feeling. Uh, uh, but yeah, it is a very serious kind of a tone, and it's a good song, but it's a but it is a sad song.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's you know like this one and like um, I'm her daddy and and better off dead. You know, I think those m- might not be personal recounts, but maybe environmental recounts. You yeah. know, stuff he's seen, he's grown seen up and around, heard about. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, but yeah and this song is also just about reeling from that kind of relationship change mm-hmm. you know talking about i can't believe she she don't want to see me we lived in love with each other for so long i never thought that she really would leave me but she's gone you yeah. know and um you know and this kind of it, it, this to me this is the follow-up to ain't no sunshine this yeah. is the the slow crawling feedback of what's you know what's transpired post the breakup and this is just tim kind of dealing with it and saying wow she really did let you know it's not this time I wonder where she's gone she really is gone you know it's a heavy song um, yeah it kind
1: of has a, a motown feeling to it you know the, uh, the Motown a lot of their songs would be about breakups and mm. and lost love and and remembering how things were or could have been um, and it has that kind of a feel to it um but again it's a it is a very sad uh, type ballad.
0: Um, yeah yeah and then um that one leads into let it be um which i know i said the second half is more like heavier and serious um i feel like let it be should be on the like if if they were going to switch it up now i knew like let uh ain't no sunshine was just such a, a a hit and they knew that they had you know captured lightning in a bottle I'm sure they wanted to put it as early as they could on the album, just to bring it on home. But that's matches the second half more than the first, you know, like if you Mm -hmm. want to play that game and say the first half is the positive side, the second half is the more serious side. Um, then you would probably put, let it be in place of that and then ain't no sunshine back over here and maybe swap the places of ain't no sunshine and hope she'll be happier. Who knows? Maybe that's how it was intended because to me, that's how it plays out. Ain't no sunshine could lead into hope. She'll be happier. And it, it just makes total sense in a gloomy, serious state, you know, but if you want to introduce the mix of, you know, everything the album's about, then sure. But I'm just thinking maybe conceptually, if you wanted it to keep it halved into, you know, different um, feelings that's probably how you would do it. But um, just like with um, everybody's talking, Mm -hmm. this is his his version of Let It Be, which is a, Uh, more soulful gospel kind of cover, Mm -hmm. you know, he's using a, Using organs, uh, hand claps, tambourines—you know—it's like that's yeah, that makes kind it of spiritual very churchy, stuff. Yeah,
1: spiritual songs, spiritual.
0: Yeah, and I also because um, I mean, it's a classic Beatles song. Um, don't I don't have too much to say about it. I just have one. Well, note.
1: and well, to, again, he, the fact that he tackles the song when it's re, it's very rare, it's very new. I mean, it had just come out. Yeah, uh, it was only a few months. Just yeah, only so a year. to to tackle a Beatle, a big song from a big band. And then to make it your own um, and make it more, you know, uh, gospel, spiritual, uh, you know, beat, uh, funky, folkish. But I think too, it it could be as you're talking about how it where it fits and and the more seriousness of the other side is that it it could be he's talking about the Let It Be a you know, more and like in a cynical sense, like just the Let It Be, just Let It Be. That's just mm-hmm. the way it is. You know, what I mean, this is the way things can be sometimes. You know, so just Let It Be. You know, what I mean. Uh, and, but I mean, almost singing it, you know, well, like blues where, you know, you can sing a song and it's got beat and it sounds good, but it's not singing about good things. Yeah, It's just singing about, hmm, that's just how it is. That's how I feel. Yeah. You know, so to me is maybe it's what he took it for is like, I'm not looking at it from the standpoint of it being looked forward to, to something optimistically. It's more like kind of almost cynical well just let it
0: be or just sort of well see to me it's almost like the Beatles one I would put in that category where it's more of a passive just like it is what it is type of thing because it's like that slow Mm -hmm. you know piano but then with his it's kind of a it's a little picked up and it's got you know a little more shine to it with the the hand claps and the and the tambourine Uh, it, it almost feels like this is like that 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 confidence you get when you're in the church when you're in that spiritual area mm-hmm. where you're like no you know i'm good everything's good you know just just let it be as it is cuz this is just how you know god's going to do it you know it's just just let it be just let it roll um that's why yeah cuz it's just it it's i i like it cuz it i mean i love let it be the original it's a beautiful song i don't think anybody doesn't like that song but i really like this one as the it's just like a different it's like a lighthearted hearted version a different of it approach, yeah, yeah a different approach and it
1: shows him it shows his uniqueness
0: yeah absolutely. and his
1: ability as a songwriter and a singer to tackle a song that he knows people are going to right away have an opinion about it yeah i mean he has to know that but it just like i just want to do it the way i want to do it the way i like to do it you know yeah um so it's yeah, it's a good, it's a good. Uh, it's a good take cover.
0: Yeah. Oh, and the one little note that I I had, um, you might think he's saying Mary in a weird way, but he's actually saying uh, Matty, which is his mom's name. Oh. Because you know Mary is Paul's mom. Right. He name, says his mom. And he name. says his mom's name, because um, he says matty and uh, Grandma's well, hands too.
1: It's also possible that's something his mom would tell him. You know what I'm saying. Or maybe that's something his mom, he grew up with his mom telling, him, "We'll let it be, just, mm, just let it go, just let it go,
0: let it uh-huh. be." Yeah. Well, and then, uh, then, then we get right back into the serious. Oh yeah. <laughs> right after that, um, with uh, "I'm Her Daddy," uh, which is basically just, it's a it's a story of an estranged father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have too much to say about it. I mean, it's a it's a heavy song. It's a, it's almost it's al- yeah it's almost like a ballad, like a plea. Mm-hmm. you know it's, and it's very bluesy
1: uh, yeah he, he sings it with a lot of emotion
0: yeah and it's got a and the composure of the music gives off this feeling of like a like calm confusion you know like in the beginning yeah. when he's asking a lot of questions and in the middle it's more of like an intense confusion where he's just getting a little bit louder and more direct and then um and then only ending kind of with concern for the child and yeah. just you, well, know. There you
1: can sense there's a like a quiet desperation you know right. like I can't I really can't do anything about it, but I'm I'm hurting because I'm her daddy and I, you know, I'm not a part of her life. And or is she a part of my life? I mean, things you would think about within a strange situation, I'm oh, yeah. sure.
0: Well, and to think about the time period. This yeah. isn't a time period where you can just look up your past lover on Facebook and reconnect, with them. <laughs> even if you wanted to, even if you're the other side and you're just trying to look into the other person, I mean, if you lived together and had a yeah. relationship in Harlem and then he moved on to LA and then never told her where he went and then he moved on to some other suburb yeah. or some other city, it would have been extremely hard to track someone down that was willing to go across the nation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like,
1: no, it captures his, in his voice, the blues feel of that, that, that the way the blues... It does that it's, it sings about hard things and difficult things and things that you can't change you're just singing about it you know but his voice is very powerful in that song
0: yeah it is um yeah it's. it I don't have too much to say about that one so it's, it's one of the heavier ones um and then uh, after that one is uh, In My Heart uh, it's kind of uh, an acoustic blues piece mm-hmm. you know it's just him and his guitar um it's short. It's a pretty short song. Um, so I was just going to read it really quick. And it says, uh, when I need some affection, you're not there. I close my eyes and use my recollection. And in one moment, there's my favorite scene, taken from the place where I keep my, keep my dreams. In my heart, in my heart. It's a lovely, lovely, lovely thing to see. The picture in the birthday wallet that you gave to me. But a man can lose a photograph. So just in case, I keep your portrait close to me in a special place. In my heart, in my heart um it's a good poem it's a good it's a good um, lyrics yeah and um yeah and this one um yeah just because it's so direct and to the point i do like that and it's short you know i do like that they didn't try to build up something crazy you know in the background while he's playing it's just a real direct simple guitar song it's very simple yeah um and then that's followed up this is another one of my favorite from the album is uh moaning and groaning yeah uh, that's a really cool one. Very interesting song. Um, it's a great beat. I love the beat to that song. Um, I really like the 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 production quality on the instruments. Like on that, that cause you know there was a like break and and I'm curious like when this one was done. like I wonder if this was the first one they did on the second half of the break, because I think they did a majority of the album and then took a short break and then went back. That's all speculation. And I just say that because all the arrangements are great you know like the last one in my heart's the most simple because it's just him and a guitar but then it's immediately followed by this one where you have um uh strings drums but like everything's panned you have you have a guitar on the far left you have another guitar on the far right and then he's right in the middle but the 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 build-up of the song it's like audibly when you're listening to it with especially with good air, uh, earphones on or, or good uh, speakers set up it's like you could it's a great wall of sound like it builds such a good musical foundation and then um i love this is the only song i think he does it on is he does an overdub he does two two vocals mm-hmm. so, you know so it's him you know moaning and groaning sometimes co-assigning or going back and forth and it just adds that little extra dimension to his. you know to his delivery um yeah i don't know this one specifically i, I that that's all i really have to say about it but the the, the, the production value on how they handled this song was really cool. I thought it was really, really nice. <laughs> um, and, then it, and then it wraps up with the final track, uh, Better Off Dead. Mm. Um, it's a tale of an anguished alcoholic, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, a, it's a strong bass line. Um, it's kind of a slow-crawling bass line. Um To me, you know, because uh, me and Scott, we reviewed uh, pieces of a man, uh, Gil Scott Heron album. Um, this, is the, this is a track because you know, it's around the same time period. I think these were released like within a year of each other. Um, I think, don't quote me on that. Um, but they're very close. It's like 70, 71, 69, something like that. And um, it's very similar, reminiscent of a song from Pieces of a Man, just because of the the musical structure and that that bass line. It just sounds like the the bassist from Pieces of a Man. Um, but uh, this is a very serious song. It's very hard, yeah. you know, intense, like sad. Um, song i mean it, it, it's a story of selfishness it's yeah. a story of selfishness driving away his loved ones his family and eventually leading him um to where he thinks he's better off dead which you know some people might say was the ultimate act of selfishness of just you know and he ends it kills himself and um but the 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 self implosion you know it, it's it's all detailed in the song about how, you know, each each little thing that's leaving him, each little thing that's changing from his life and he's still not changing. You know, he's still, he's not changing by himself. He's just gloomy. He's not he's not trying to act. He's just reeling and that's all it is. Um, and then, uh, so just full, full honesty here, this was a song that I would skip a lot. Like, cause I've listened to this album a lot, but um, this one in like, In My Heart, um, we're kind of the ones and let it be. Cause like, I just knew, let it be, you know, i heard that a million times mm-hmm. prior for the Beatles and I've listened to this album a few times mm-hmm. and I, when I first listened to it, yeah, I would listen to it on rotation with the other stuff. But now I'm kind of like, yeah, I get it, you know, and I'd move on sometimes. Um, but this one, it was just like, it wasn't a mood I wanted to you know, yeah. entertain. So it wasn't one I would play all the time. But, um, or barely at all, or let it finish, you know, I might start it and then be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not into that right now. I don't want to entertain that kind of feeling right Mm -hmm. now. But when you listen to this as a concept and as a full production, as a full album, um, which, cause that's past me, that was me years ago. But now looking at this uh, like current me and how I appreciate music, when you look at it as the album closer, because you know, I talked about this with Michael Rossi last week that you know, it's very purposeful you know, in how they, they line it up, how they chop up the album. And, um, and, 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 and it's crazy. I never finished the song. I never finished this track. And so um, up until like a year ago, I had listened to this album all the way through. I think I was working. And um, I, I didn't put on shuffle, I just put it straight through. Right. And when it went, when it got to Better Off Dead, I was listening to it and I, yeah, I think I was working, I think I was at work writing something up. And then uh, when the gunshot goes off, you know, which indicates him killing himself, the song just ends and that's the end of the album. And it was such a, a jarring thing because I wasn't like, I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting the song to just end and I wasn't expecting the gunshot and then for the album to end like yeah. that. So um, it's an interesting decision to end it, you know, on the serious note, but I feel like this was probably the song that had the most stark ending, had the most abrupt, Mm -hmm. obvious ending. And it was, you know, it was a good closing piece, but it's just, it's such a heavy song.
1: Yeah. And I think um, like you kept, you've said it a couple of times production value, you know, that it, it's interesting that the album reflects his personality more than it reflects the you know trying to make it sound like what was happening uh, at the time you know mm. um he has a he has a popular song but it's very much in the vein of his of his style it's not it's not doesn't sound like somebody else i mean it it so again like we talked about booker t uh mm-hmm allows him to pretty much project his own style his own personality and how he approaches the music and and so those songs are you know like either like you said they're things that he knew people that that went through those things or he was he experienced those things or maybe he did some of those things himself but they do capture a very bleak side of life but I think that's part of the album, you know. When you yeah. go back to Harlem, if you think about it, right? When you look at the beginning of the album, Harlem reflects some dark, difficult lifestyles and things that are tough, and things don't work out. And so, then at the end of the album, this person it doesn't work out because they don't get, they don't stop doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's a very a very wide, uh, I guess, a, a variety of. Of, of emotions and experiences and things like that but i do think that that song and and uh hope she'll be happier i think they almost fit each other they they oh, seem yeah. to they seem to balance each other and play off each other uh yeah like as if they were meant to be t- to each other you know part one and two of whatever the story is that Uh, you know this person that he's describing whether it's him or a a conglomeration of experiences that he's seen
0: well maybe that's kind of the pacing they were thinking about is the the album covers such a wide variety of topics and and perspectives that the serious one that has been um that the story the serious story has been illustrated by three songs i'd say ain't no sunshine hope she'll be happier and better off dead all kind of line up in a more in in a serious curve like they they complement each other but each one ups the the next one Mm -hmm. with how intense and serious the scenario is getting and if you look at the album structure it literally goes you know sunshine in the beginning hope she'll be happier right Mm -hmm. in the middle and then then better better off dead dead, right at the end so it kind of does fit this this tale of woe um, driven by self-action and and lack of awareness to how you're actually you know interacting with people you know doing things it's like you might appreciate people but how are you showing it you know and and that's what kind of those last two songs are are about is that he he didn't do that that just yeah, didn't happen he, yeah and and that's why everything is ending it's coming to a close because um, again you know you have ain't no sunshine um, I wonder where she's gone and, you know it's like she's it's the beginning it's the unraveling and you get hope she'll be happier she's left and you know and then he ends the track with saying um uh i didn't think that she really would leave but now she's gone and it's like a very confident statement and then the ending well now he's gone
1: yeah he's gone
0: yeah but yeah it's a very um expressive album it covers Mm -hmm. covers so much um and yeah just just like pieces of a man it gives you it, it's palpable. It gives you a sense of what you know, what he's been through, or what he's witnessed, and what he's he wants to, to, to teach about, wants to express about, and um, you know, backed by masterful musicians that just bring it home. You know, they, they they back him and they they give him just the edge to to yeah, put the put the 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 spear tip on that on that pole and drive it through your heart because <laughs> yeah. they it it just a lot of these songs man they just cut through i mean they it's 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 it, it's not it's not a pop album it's not an album that's just No it's not. It's and not. simple no
1: and maybe that's what what hindered him in his career is that he didn't want to try to do things that were pop oriented or more popular sounding but i think it would have extended his his career or made him more accessible to to a bigger audience um, if, if he would but maybe that's not what he wanted to do maybe it's like well if I want to make music like this then that's what I'm going to do you know I don't
0: well and you see it because you know I'm a big fan of his and, and you, you see that with his other albums that he he normally has one song in there because this this album is mainly like it's all expressive real soulful stuff that you could tell it was like just what he wanted to do and then in the preceding albums I feel like he kind of gets more in that experience groove where he's like okay I want to do this but you know, I also have this song that could probably be pretty polished and, and and be played on the radio. Like anybody would like, you know, like "Lean On Me," "Just the Two of Us," "Lovely Day." And it's like those are a little more simpler in their yeah. structure, and, and it's much it's very easy to follow, you know. And it's not as serious, you know. So, um, I mean, the guy generated hits, like just, I mean, like a good handful. I mean, he's got two of them in the Grammy Hall of Fame, which is crazy. Um, but some of the ones that were hits were also hits just because they're a little abnormal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, um, an amazing writer, um, an amazing musician. Um, and yeah, and he lived to, till he was 81. Yeah. He passed he away last year. Yeah. yeah. And his music career was only 15, 16 years, like from a l- label contractually, mm-hmm. you know, he was trying to make music since 67 and, and then he ended and his last album was released in 85. And, um, yeah, but still appreciated and um, still listened to, definitely by me. <laughs> yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, awesome. Well, I really appreciate, uh, enjoyed uh, going through this album and, and talking about it. And um, yeah, maybe someday we can do the, um, the next one because uh, Still Bill is another one of my favorites. Okay. His first two albums are, are awesome. So um, if, you're listening, if you're listening to this and you've never heard all this album, it's, a, it's an experience. yeah that's good alrighty until next time bye bye thank you for listening for more episodes visit our website musicmythpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter goodbye